having this lived experience, um, not only on the criminal justice side, but also being diagnosed with HIV, I'm able to meet the people that I work with, with compassion, with empathy, with with care, with concern, with love. And so in that, in that also, a lot of our folks that come through um, that may be newly diagnosed, I am able to share that piece about my HIV status to give them a little bit more hope, to let them know that having an HIV diagnosis doesn't mean that's the end of your life. Welcome back to the Good and Grounded podcast. I'm Jim Licko, and along with my co-host, Laura Love, we're taking on a very important topic in today's episode, uh, which includes the growing number of homeless women, women living in poverty, sex workers, and women involved in the criminal justice system, and how one local organization is diving in to help change the trajectory of lives of so many women facing these types of challenges. Thanks, Jim. As Jim mentioned, we're joined today by some pretty cool people, Julie Keel, she's the executive director of the Empowerment Program, and Julie served as the director of the Women's Aid Project Empowerment in the early 2000s, while she simultaneously attended DU Law School classes during the evenings. She was then admitted to the bar and served as a deputy of public defender in, the Jefferson, in Jefferson County for about 12 years. But four years ago, it seems like she had an aha moment and came back to her passion and rejoined Empowerment as the executive director. We're also fortunate to be joined by Liza Johnson, who is a medical case manager for the Women's Age Project and a certified addictions technician at Empowerment. Liza has an extremely powerful story to share about how she first came to know this organization and why she's still there 14 years later. Uh, we'll get to that, but first of all, welcome to the show, Julie and Liza, and thanks for spending your time with us today. Hello, thanks so much for having us. Hi, thank you for having us. Oh, of course. Well, Julie, I would not do, Jim or I would not do this justice to have you describe a little bit more about the Empowerment Program. Could you do that for us? Just share with us what it's all about. Oh, yes, I'd love to. So the Empowerment Program was founded in 1985, actually. Um, a group of volunteers uh, recognized that women being released from jails and prisons were not receiving the, the services and the support they needed to stay out of the criminal legal system. So a group of volunteers literally met people where they're at, at the Denver Women's Correctional Facility to meet with women and hear directly from women impacted, which is one of our favorite things to do at Empowerment. Um, and from there, the, the Empowerment Program was, was born. And our mission is to holistically help people build healthier lives from the inside out. All of our services are trauma-informed and gender responsive um, and really based on forming relationships with individuals first and foremost. That's uh, that's what we do. I could go on and on, but I'll stop there and you know. <laughs> and Liza, will you share a little bit of your background and your story on how you first came to know the Empowerment Program back in 2004? So I was already receiving services at the empowerment program but once i in 2004 i was convicted of uh, a crime and so i ended up doing prison time um and so i got released uh december 13 2006 to come in uh do my classes um my parole requirements prior to that i was already a client because i was struggling with substance abuse my drug of choice was crack cocaine 
And uh, I got involved in prostitution, um, criminal activities, just a bunch of things that came along with my substance use and in my addiction, um, had several incarcerations. And in one of those programs that um, Julie just mentioned was one of the ones uh, was Project Success. And so they would come into the jails, the case managers, and would talk to the, the women who had charges such as myself, or prostitution charges, and to choose either going, staying in jail or going to do these groups. Of course, I chose to do the groups. When you're looking to get out of jail, when you're looking to be released from prison, um, what's going through your head? What is that like for a woman? Oh, I would say for sure one of the things that was one of my biggest concerns was, was I going to have a place to live? Um, was I going to be able to find work? Because now I have all these criminal charges on my background. So now things have drastically changed. A place to stay, work, groups, um, some kind of support groups to be able to support me with my, my substance abuse addiction. So a lot of those things. And then also just at being acclimated back into the community um, after being in and out of jail so many times. And in that last prison stint, a lot of things were a concern of mine. And that was one of the major ones was, was housing because I didn't have housing before I went to, before I went to uh, prison. Yeah, I can, Im I can imagine just how that would weigh on you. And Obviously, Julie, you're, I know that our city is trying to develop a more compassionate sort of halfway housing system and looking at our real estate market, <laughs> it's insane. But if I read correctly, in April of this year, you had there's a Project Elevate, which is a trauma-informed halfway house for women run by the city in partnership with you. Um, will you tell us more about that program? Yes, I would love to. We're not quite open yet. Just a few construct, oh. just a few construction delays, but we have staff. Um, who, <laughs> that never happens. Who, I no, no, I know, <laughs> never, no, that's never a problem. Um, but the staff are now receiving even more uh, time to uh, get awesome training and you know build relationships amongst themselves. Um, and I really cannot, especially with my. Um, history as a deputy public defender. Um, and also I'm going to say I started in Pueblo. Got to give Pueblo a shout out. Started in Pueblo and then I went to Jeffco. Um, but I could not be more excited for this community corrections program, Project Elevate, to be, to be opening. Um, it is, we're going to meet people with love and compassion and support and education and treatment and, Restorative justice principles, the Circle Project has been a major, major part of this and will continue to be. Um, so, yeah, I, and this hybrid between the city um, and empowerment is really exciting. Um, historically, I, I think really it's either been, you know, wholly private or public. So um, that's I think that component will um, really allow for some great collaboration and Liza, I, you were talking earlier. I can't even begin how to imagine how scary it is to to you know for these women who are being released. And I imagine your lived experience helps you greatly in your job. Can you speak a little bit to um, what it looks like when you step in to try to help these women and give them access to resources, and then maybe how your lived experience does help you maybe relate better to the women you're working with? So I am currently a um, medical case manager for the Women's AIDS Project. So. Part of this story of mine also includes my HIV diagnosis. I was uh, diagnosed uh, with HIV October 29, 1998. I was two months pregnant with my daughter. And 
that in itself changed my life. Like I said before, I was already engaged in services here at the empowerment program. And then once I got diagnosed with HIV, I started receiving um, my uh, case management services here to be able to help me not only with my substance use, how to um, stay on my HIV medication, stay in care, stay in treatment. Um, and so with that, having this lived experience, um, not only on the criminal justice side, but also being diagnosed with HIV, I'm able to meet the people that I work with, with compassion, with empathy, with with care, with concern, with love. And so in that, in that also, a lot of our folks that have come through um, that may be newly diagnosed, I am able to share that piece about my HIV status to give them a little bit more hope, to let them know that having an HIV diagnosis doesn't mean that's the end of your life. It, it just means that you have to be on medications that a person has to make sure they're in care um, and just basically really taking care of themselves. So when I meet with the folks that come in here, it's all from my heart, it's genuine. I, I actually met with a, a, a young lady a couple weeks ago um, who's only been diagnosed for three years and I shared my story with her and she felt, she, she stated to me that she was so thankful that I was able to share that with her because her being newly diagnosed is is new for her and so she's scared there's a lot of fear there's a lot of judgment there's a lot of stigma there's just a lot of and just accepting the fact that she's got this 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 diagnosis so with that i just offer all the support that i can offer um a person who who is whether they've been living a long time with hiv or newly diagnosed um or folks that have fell off and or have had a little slip up and just need somebody there to um, talk to about it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I'm curious too to get your take, Liza, on on how is it different for women who are coming out of these situations than it might be for men? What what challenges do women face that that me as a man would never have an idea of unless I would somehow went through it myself? So. Already there's a lot of um, programs and services. There's more for men than there are for females. Um, there's not a whole lot of options for women when they're coming out. So we have to utilize the resources that are already in the community or kind of reach out or, you know, word of mouth from some of our peers, from some of our folks that we used to hang out with. I mean, there's more shelters. Um, a lot of these places aren't co-ed and they only provide services for men or women and children. So yeah, it's definitely had been a struggle because there wasn't many options for me to go to, but because I knew that the empowerment program worked specifically with women, that was always, this is always an agency that I can come to and come, come back to for um, the support that I needed. Sounds like a gift to you and to empowerment. It's pretty amazing. It is a gift. I mean, I actually started out as a client. I was in a, I was started out as a client and I've been here ever since. And so I am truly humbled and grateful. And I show that in the work that I do with the folks that I work with. Mm, that's amazing. So Julie, I have to, we, I, people spend a lot of time in our community, probably in every community talking about what the state that they live in is doing wrong. But when you think about Colorado in this space, what are we doing right? And what, where are we leading the charge on any kind of, you know, innovative programming that we're trying to do to fix the challenge? Yeah, definitely. So Project Elevate, I think that we talked about, that's one thing. Um, another is 
um, the Department of Corrections doing more case planning, more planning for reentry for individuals um, releasing back into the community and working with community providers like Empowerment um, to create those plans, those you know, plans for housing, like Liza mentioned, housing is so huge. If if an individual is released from incarceration, uh, homeless, it, it's it, it's virtually impossible to to dig into any other areas to get a job, to get education. I mean, anything really at Empowerment, we work on a hierarchy of needs. So when someone comes in, you know, the first and foremost, do you have stable housing? Um, if not, that's where, where's your next, where you're going to get your next meal, where you're going to take your next shower, where are you going to sleep tonight? Um, because in order to dig into really tough treatment and, and make that kind of transformational change, um, housing is, it's a necessity for human beings. Um, so those individualized plans for people and like, and the sooner that those plans can be made in the department of corrections, the better. Um, and then, you know, more of COVID kind of, you know, put a damper on this, but we're getting coming back now, but bringing the community inside, um, inside jails, inside prison. We do work um, in the Denver County Jail with the RISE program, Recovery in a Secure Environment. We do some amazing work in there. Um, and then wages. We have a wages grant through the Latino Coalition, um, which is work and gain employment and education skills. Uh, so that is working with um, those who identify as women um, and cis, uh, cisgender and transgender women, um, non-binary folks on parole. So, and a little after they're, they're off of parole. And part of that program is the in-reach. So starting to work with individuals while they're still incarcerated uh, is huge. So it provides an opportunity to start building that relationship with the individual, start working with that person on, you know, changing kind of mindset and getting into that, like, okay, you've, you, you've had to live a certain way really to survive in the world that is Department of Corrections. And now you're going back out to this whole other world. Like, let's start getting into that different mind frame and, and start talking about like where you're going. Is that a good place? Is that a good plan for parole? Is that going to be stable and safe? Um, so, you know, really getting inside to work with the individuals and with the Department of Corrections working together to try to make as solid of a plan as possible uh, for when for when people get out. And then even picking up day of release is huge for relationship building. Um, so, um, yeah, I think we're there are a lot of exciting, good things happening. It doesn't happen as quickly as I want it to ever. But, you know, it's happening. It's happening, right, Liza? Liza, I actually attended Liza's parole hearing at Denver Women's Correctional Facility, like, what, how many, 20-something years ago? Remember that? Yes. I yelled at for just saying my name. I was like, oh, my name's Julie Cook. No, 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 you will not speak at this hearing. Oh, oh okay, well, then I'm just going to sit here for moral support, okay? Just going to sit. Yeah, they were not nice to her at all. They weren't. They weren't. It's okay. And we come And you're ways. so likable. We come you're so likable. That's awesome. So I should have asked this at the beginning. Will you frame the problem for us? Like how many women go through this a year in Colorado? How big is our prison system for women in particular? And how many return to prison? Oh, I knew I should have these stats in front of me because I've looked at them and read them a million times. What I can tell you, I don't want to misstate the specific stats, but what I can tell you 
is the rates of recidivism specifically for women are not good. And they're, and they're much worse. The rates of recidivism are much worse for women than they are for men. So many things for women are very relationship driven. Um, and so if the services are not relationship driven, they don't tend to work that well. The difference between men and women releasing is the family stuff. Children's stuff is, you know, with men, it's kind of more like, okay, I just got out. Uh, I got to do me. I got stuff to do. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you in a few, you know? With- Peace out. <laughs> totally. With women, they're all like, okay, here's your child. Here's their, oh, so-and-so needs help. Actually, aunt so-and-so, or grandma. Like, I mean, so they're all like, right, Liza? Yeah, it, it can be overwhelming. I mean, because not only are, when they're getting out, they have to have some kind of direction. But if, if you, if a person or a, a person is left and, and their, their children have lost, either lost their children, such as I lost custody of my children due to my, my drug addiction. They have to, now I have to not only uh, abide by parole, I need to find a job. I better have housing. I need to take care of my kids if I get them back. If not, then they have to do that whole social service thing. And that can be another overwhelming um, process in itself. Well, I, time always flies on these podcasts, especially when we're talking to two individuals like you guys who are so um, amazing and doing such great work. Um, we do like to leave our listeners usually with some type of takeaway, something they could do to get involved with the issue. And I know a lot of this takes place in the courtrooms. I know a lot of it takes place with law enforcement. But if you were to talk to the general public in the Denver metro area or in just Colorado in general, uh, what's the easiest way for somebody to make a difference or get involved in some way with, with these issues? Yeah, reach out to check out our website. Um, there are ways to get involved on there. I mean, reach out to me directly. I we love we love support of all sorts, financial, like you know, get dig in and and provide some services directly to the community of of people we're working with. Um, any kind of of support, we will put it to very very good use at Empowerment. Love that. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Liza. You have given me hope and inspiration for whatever I'm going to tackle. It might be a parking ticket. I don't know. I'm going to walk out and find out. But (laughs) thank you for sharing your pretty incredible story with us. And Julie, thanks for leading the charge. We're excited. Jim and I are coming for lunch. Yes. Yes. You have to check this place out. We'll be there. All right, you guys. Thank you guys for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. such amazing energy in that episode from both Julie and Liza on such a heavy topic. Um, And speaking of energy, uh, we all get energy from our summer vacations and we are going to take a brief hiatus over the next few weeks from the podcast until after Labor Day or sometime early September. We've got some great guests lined up this fall. um, So we hope you keep your notifications on for when we do drop new episodes coming up in September. In the meantime, if you have any ideas for great guests, great leaders in our communities, great leaders in Colorado that we should be speaking to, um, feel free to drop us a line. You can email us at podcast at groundfloormedia.com. In the meantime, um, share with your friends, find us on Spotify, find us on Apple Podcasts, pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts and get out there and do some good in our communities this summer.